0: Good afternoon. My name is Felina, and I will be your conference operator today. Welcome to Cozen O'Connor Public Strategy Series about the latest developments in politics and policy in D.C. Our call today will be moderated by Blake Rutherford, a member of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Our speakers are Howard Schweitzer, Managing Partner, and Mark Alderman, Chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. This recording will also be available after the call on iTunes and SoundCloud by searching for Cozen O'Connor. For any questions, please email cozen.com. Please go ahead.
1: Thank you very much, um, and good afternoon, everybody. Thanks for joining us. My name is Blake Rutherford, uh, and I'm here with Mark Alderman, the chairman of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. and. Howard Schweitzer, the managing partner of Cozen O'Connor Public Strategies. Good to be with you both. Blake. Um I I will I will immediately fall down on my moderator duties and say I honestly don't know where to begin. Um but with that in mind, it has been a little while since we've been together um and hosted one of these calls. There, depending on your perspective, a lot has happened or not very much has happened. Um in, inside the Beltway and Mark I want to I want to just start generally summarize for for me for us um, what, what what's happening in Washington or what's not happening in Washington.
0: Hard to summarize Mr. Moderator I'm gonna fall down on my participant duties and and repeat what you said hard to know where to start it is no fun. There's nothing funny about it. I could uh, begin by quoting uh, prominent Republicans, which I don't often do in these calls or otherwise. The Secretary of State has called the President a moron. The Chairman of the Senate Foreign Relations Committee has said the President is leading us down the path to World War III. It's a bad place that we find ourselves in. And I think, Blake, the question for the country, for the world, for that matter, that's worth thinking about, uh, I certainly know what answer I have, is whether he's just Smarter than all of us, and this is some multi-dimensional chess game, and the rest of us are playing checkers, whether there's a method to what appears to be madness, or whether we elected a crazy person president of the United States. That's that's the question for the country, for the Congress, which has the constitutional responsibility to co-govern with the president. And I I just think the trend lines, our last call, has been bad. Howard?
2: Well, I wanna try to, guys, put this in a little bit more of of a framework. I don't disagree necessarily with anything either of you has said, but the way I look at um, what's happening in Washington right now is um, three P's personnel policy and they go together and politics. So personnel policy and politics. I think if you look at um, personnel issues in Washington, you've basically, you've got three, things are not going well, okay? There's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. Got three vacancies in cabinet secretary positions. Department of Homeland Security, the Department of Health and Human Services, and the secretary of state. Actually, that's technically encumbered, but um, I think it's accepting
0: application. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, you've even got Ivana Trump and Melania Trump arguing about who the first lady really is. <laughs> so. Now that's I mean, funny. You I take <laughs> back what I said. <laughs> you, that is funny. That's funny. Yeah, you, that's I mean, funny. when you're when there's actually an argument about who the real first lady is, you know you're not in a great place. Okay. <laughs> um, I, I think the I think Trump attempted in the Alabama Senate election to go more mainstream, backing Luther Strange, and it completely blew up in his face. We've got. A guy coming to the United States Senate eventually who um, the establishment certainly has questions about. And I think at this point you've got Trump at war with with the establishment. Um, on policy, uh, there are two um, – well, I think there's good and bad. Uh, jury's out on tax reform. It's going to be a while before we know anything there. There's a serious conversation going on. We know what happened on healthcare. Mm-hmm. We'll see what happens on immigration. But we're now a long way into the first year of the Trump administration. And there's certainly no signature policy achievement to, to point to. Uh, to me, and by the way, some of that may be the system working. Because guess what, healthcare didn't happen because the system didn't let it happen. So that that's a bright spot. I think politics is where um, things really look better for the president than are pe- than people are giving him credit for. Right, right, wrong, or indifferent. You know, he's got some key themes: uh, anti-establishment, went on both sides of the aisle people around the country are anti-establishment. He keeps talking about the economy, because guess what? The economy is doing really well. Um, His culture, his war on culture, and um, I put the media in that, I think it may be distasteful, uh, we may not like it, but I think it's a winning political hand in today's America. So I don't know where all of what all of that adds up to, but that's the lens through which I'm looking at what's going on.
0: I don't disagree on the political point. I think that to the degree anything that he does makes any sense. He is acting in a very calculated and successful way to keep his base engaged and in love with him. And he seems to have pushed that through this very week. He's lost support, of course, among establishment Republicans who voted for him and have since faded, among independents who voted for him, and have since faded. But he hasn't lost the base. And as long as he has his base, which is a third or so of the country, it seems, he is, in addition to being the most powerful person in the world, he is an extraordinarily formidable political force. But to what end, is my question? To what end? He has no agenda. His agenda changes from tweet to tweet. He has no plan to advance the agenda that he doesn't have. To what end is this power being applied? And I. I defy anyone to identify a goal of the Trump administration beyond perpetuating the presidency of Donald Trump, which is what Steve Bannon's out there doing. There's no deconstruction of the administrative state. There's no populist movement. Bringing Ray Moore to Washington isn't going to bring back coal jobs in Pennsylvania uh, I think it it is self preservation, self perpetuation, and the man is damn formidable uh, at self preservation and self perpetuation. But where's it going? Well, I want to follow up, Howard, on on one of the pieces because we have talked a little
1: politics. I want to talk about policy because you you referenced health care um, repeal of Obamacare, replace Obamacare didn't happen. Um, tax reforms on the table, and by all accounts, to your point, um, there are serious discussions in Washington uh, about that. Um, president had some trouble; he's had some legal trouble with his um, with his travel ban, um, which he which obviously was his first big mover on the on the policy front. Um, but we're still we haven't started construction on a wall yet. Um we <clears throat> we're not entirely sure where the president is on DACA. <laughs> goes back and forth. Um so immigration is kind of this mess of tweets and and who knows what else. Um but uh, what we are seeing mm-hmm. um a whole lot of movement and I think a lot of change, at least on the environmental front. Um I mean, I don't think that day goes by where at least we're not we're not told of some policy shift or movement at you know at EPA. HHS doesn't have a secretary anymore because of Mr. Price's affinity for private planes, but um but I thought we might kinda drill down a little bit. Um outside the chaos of the West Wing, mm-hmm. what are you seeing and hearing you know, at the agency level. I know you guys are in and around that quite a bit. Um, I just thought we might we might drill down on some other policy stuff that may not may not populate our Twitter feeds, but, yeah. but it's happening. No, and there is a lot
2: happening and some of it is is very um, conservative and right wing at the at the headline level. And some of it, frankly, is Reasonable and sensible and kind of common sense, but at, I think at the end of the day, and and, and I, you know, I think there are a lot of on the per, to the personnel point. Yeah, there. Look, there's total dysfunction in the White House. There's no ands, or butts about it. It's what it is.
1: Yeah. Report today that Trump and his chief of staff are just yelling at each other yeah. now. But at the agency level, and even
2: at the staff level in a place like the Office of Management and Budget which is part of the, of the White House complex. You know there's some there are serious people, good people, thoughtful people, substantive people. Um, they may have a particular point of view but real people making real decisions and doing their job seriously. So um, I see I see a fair amount of that in my travels but I also see it increasingly overshadowed by the west wing where I saw less of that 3 or 4 months ago mm. than I than I see today.
0: Oh, wow. yeah. Okay. Yeah, and I want to yeah. again agree and disagree of, uh, absolutely agree that there are many men and women in this administration who are well-intentioned, well-experienced, informed, who are there to do a job for the country and are doing their damnedest to get it done. And they deserve all the praise and credit and thanks in the world for hanging in there because, as you just said, Howard, their work is so often overwhelmed and actually impeded, if not stopped, by the the chaos in the West Wing. I I do want to touch though on uh, on EPA and HHS, which you mentioned, Blake, because I think they are very instructive and very different examples. Uh, Scott Pruitt you're for him, you're against him, you agree, you disagree, set all of that aside. He has taken charge of that agency, and he is pushing his agenda, which largely coincides with Trump's rhetorical agenda, at least. And things are happening there. But We are familiar, Howard just alluded to it. We are familiar with things that would be happening even there more successfully were it not for all that's going on above. He has sort of developed his own brand is Mm -hmm. what's going on. Right. I think that's He, he has the Pruitt brand and he is pushing the Pruitt brand until it bumps into the White House not because they disagree, but because the dysfunction and chaos just overwhelm what's what's being done. HHS, I thought, was going to be the same. I thought early on it was going to be the same. Tom Price, again, love him, hate him, agree, disagree, private planes, no private planes. (laughs) He had a very clear idea of what he thought should be done with health care, and I thought, apart from Congress and apart from the White House, he was going to be dismantling the Affordable Care Act mm-hmm. and substituting his vision. But he's gone, and we don't know who. And comes he didn't next. succeed when he was there. And he didn't succeed right. when he was legislatively, there legislatively, which is imp- which is a big. Well, he didn't succeed when he was there because the battle was in Congress. And Unlike Pruitt. Pruitt's battles right. aren't in Congress. Price's battle began in Congress, ended in Congress, yeah. and, and now he's gone. But but that is still a place where I think you will see the CMS uh, administrator, Seema Verna, acting. You'll see right. an executive order, we are told, from the White House.
2: Aggressive administrative action. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. Again, it, the threat to that, and and I'm repeating one more time, whether you're for it or against it, I'm just talking about what is happening. The threat to that is the same threat we identified with Pruitt's program. The threat is that the chaos of the White House just overwhelms the aggressive executive action. Well,
2: and there's, I mean, look, not having a secretary doesn't technically shut down the agency, but it until they until they have. A permanent confirmed secretary it doesn't help but I I, I guess I guess the shock one of the things that shocks me about where mm -hmm. we find ourselves Blake and Mark is um, the other side of the aisle because the standard bearer as far as I can tell for the Democratic Party remains a guy who isn't even a Democrat Bernie Sanders and there is no message.
1: There's no message. The only message is Donald Trump. Well, is terrible. Well, and single payer health care. I mean, yeah. it, the Democrats, like I said, very yeah, standard. I mean, no. I mean, I think it's a it's an interesting point. I want to I want to touch on the because I think the politics of this obviously is fascinating because um, in part you've you've now got I mean whether it's Trump and McConnell, Trump and Corker, Trump not being able to It's all the same. You know, it's yep. the, the the Senate's a dare I say it it's a word we can all roll our eyes at a dynamic place, but I mean that in actual mm-hmm. the dynamism of it, not that um and the the changing landscape of who is where and yeah. and what's what the challenges are. Um I I wanna I wanna before we jump in, Mark, to the Democratic side of things, Howard, I want to come. It's not a long discussion. Yeah, right. I mean, we can <laughs> get to I, Howard. I did want to get your thoughts on, you know, the the administration. Back to your personnel mm-hmm. observations, the administration has said, you know, time and again, we're purposefully not filling these jobs. These agencies are too big, and we don't need all these people on the on the federal payroll. Not novel. I mean, certainly Bill Clinton and Al Gore shrunk the size of the of the federal government um, when they were there, it's something Trump said he, he would do. Um, that said, when you consider, um, the chaos, when you consider the fact that it's, it's, you know, three, four months ago it was confined to the West Wing, now it really is bleeding into these agencies. What do you make of the, what do you make of the fact that they're purposefully not, not filling jobs? And some of these jobs are even operating on kind of Far fewer career staff than they've right. seen in the past. I mean, some of it is naivete. It's
2: not even purposeful. It's not knowing, not understanding, miscalculating um, politics and 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 process. Um, I'm a, I'm aware of it, at least one agency where um, a secretary. A prominent agency where a secretary has tried time and time again to get people appointed to senior positions where the people have been both politically toxic to the Democrats and politically toxic to the White House. And um, that's not a good that's not a good combination for getting jobs filled. Mm -hmm. And I think that's just. Naivete in terms of government, because the people. That um, he's putting these jobs are they're outsiders, and you know, in terms of not filling jobs, i mean to me i don't know i I see less of that I think in places where you have function- i guess the state department is a good example mm-hmm. of that, but I just think
1: unfortunately, that whole silo is a mess. I think people are trying to fill jobs Blake. They're just not good at it. Not good at it. Yeah, I mean, there's certainly an, an, an art to that. You know,
0: you know, good and well, good and well. Mark. I think, though, it's going to get worse, not better, and that is not a hope. And well, there's it a is, rumor of there, you know mass. I think Exodus. We are right. We are going to see people leaving one by one or floor by floor, but there will be people leaving the administration over the next six months around the one year anniversary. Always happens, but a couple of things. I think it will happen more this time around than it did Mm -hmm. in 2010, which was the last Time we're at this point in an administration that's number one number two the administration's already half empty as mm-hmm. we were just discussing and number three who who's gonna take these jobs I think filling jobs that are vacated is gonna be a real challenge for people who are left behind so I don't see that getting any better um, On the one hand, if you don't want this particular administration to do much, maybe that's okay. Mm -hmm. On the other hand, hurricanes and fires and North Korea and more, we need our government to be ready, to be ready, willing, and able to report for duty when the need arises. And it it is uh, going to be more empty tomorrow than it is today. You know, it's, I wanted to share an observation,
1: kind of get your feedback, and then we'll, we'll pivot to, to the politics. I was with a member of the United States Senate um, last week, and and we were talking about this personnel issue and the relationship between, mm-hmm. between the West Wing and Congress, and his observation was the White House, doesn 't have logistically i mean has no real sense of how to communicate with the congress how to how to advance you see the president putting out a one page kind of policy idea, but no real sense of how to turn that into legislation and how to make America that, great again yeah how to right exactly thank you, how to make America great again um and again, to, to your point, mark, I mean, for people who you know are are you know on the on the left, fine good things the less happens in terms of that sort of stuff, the better, but you know Howard, what are your thoughts about the way the Senate has sort of played the policy game and calendar um, thus far? Um, do you sense that I mean all eyes are on Trump and things not getting done, but I mean certainly McConnell couldn't hold his caucus on health care um and tax reform right now. one of the biggest critics is another Republican, Rand Paul. Um what I just what are your thoughts about how the, the Senate played this? I know we previewed this during transition of what how they would go about doing this in order to get things done. I just what do you think? I I guess
2: this isn't three-dimensional chess. It's like 60-dimensional chess. <laughs> I'm not sure anybody knows who's on what chessboard. Um, but to me, I'll go back to something I said earlier. At the at the end of the day, not to be too philosophical about it, but we have a constitution. We have a system set up. We have a system of government that is set up to avoid... Uh, too much power being concentrated in too few hands. And uh, I I think going into the Trump administration and this Congress, there was an expectation that things were just gonna get done. And whether you're talking about confirming nominees, doing healthcare or or anything else that involves um, uh, different branches of government working together, uh, I think the system is working. Mm-hmm. The system um, led to healthcare not getting, it led to Obamacare not being repealed and replaced. The system is holding up nominees. I think there are 25 different reasons why that's happening, but I, I think I think this breaks down on foreign policy, which I think everybody is rightly afraid about. Mm-hmm. But I think as far as legislation and congressional action and things coming out of Washington so far, I declare
0: the system, so far, the system is winning. I think that's right in even a uh, broader sense. If, where you stand depends on where you sit. If you're one of the 30%, 35% in Trump's base, you think the system is the problem. And remains the problem and needs to be burned to the ground. But if you believe in the Constitution and you believe in checks and balances and you believe that this is a president who needs to be checked and balanced, you have not only Congress and more the Senate, certainly than the House, checking and balancing the administration. You have the courts, checking and balancing the administration, the travel ban, some of uh, Pruitt's rolling back of regulation and, and more. You have the First Amendment working. There has not been this robust a press in this country in, in a long time. Now, you do have the fake news dimension, <laughs> which is a whole unanticipated issue that the founders couldn't quite foresee. But I think you see the system working in its checks and balances sense all all around. I think what is not working very well at all is something that, interestingly, as a historical matter, the founders were not interested in, and that is the two-party system. The two-party system is grinding to a halt. And something else will arise, it always has. We've been through this before. The parties we have today were not the parties of 1787. In fact, there were no parties in 1787. You had to wait 10 years for that to happen. And the two parties that arose then, gone, not the parties we have today. So the system, again, will correct itself. But right now, the two-party system that we have all known, grown up with, seen as a source of stability in this country Mm -hmm. has collapsed. There is no Republican Party. There is the Trump Party and there's whatever the other guys are, whoever they even Mm -hmm. are, there is barely a Democratic Party. There is no leadership in the Democratic Party. I disagree that there's no there is a. Me- you may disagree with the message, but there is a message on health care. Don't take health care away from all these people. There's a message on immigration. Don't deport all of these people. It's very unclear whether there's an economic message or not. But far more than missing a message, we're missing leadership. I would tomorrow uh, give... Nancy Pelosi and Steny Hoyer and Bernie Sanders and Hillary Clinton and many more a watch and thank them for their service. And let's turn the page in this party. The only uh, optimism, note of optimism uh, I'll offer is that at this point in the last analogous cycle. In 2005, a year out from the midterms, Republican president, Republican uh, House and, and Senate, uh, no one had ever heard of Barack Obama. And three years later, he was the president of the United States. Now, you may think that was a good thing or a bad thing, but but. I do believe nature abhors a vacuum. The leadership vacuum in the Democratic Party will get filled. But, Mark, a message – think about the
2: message that you just articulated began with don't. What? Right. That's not a message. Don't do X is not a message. Sure it is. What well, is More,
0: the... more health care is good. We don't have enough. Not only don't roll back what we've got, we need more, more immigration reform said. and relief. Well, I focused it on the president. I'm just saying
2: I don't right. feel like there is a.
0: I'm more worried vision. about messengers than than messages, but I agree. There's no I vision,
2: agree. and there are oh, there I... are there are lots of vulnerable Democrats in 2018 yeah. and very yeah. in very vulnerable in in states that Trump won. They have to articulate a message, and um, right those who we have spent time with don't even talk about the economy. How can you i agree run for the United States Senate successfully and not articulate an economic vision, not articulate an economic message? The fact of the matter is it may not be Trump's doing, it may be you know the Obama policies, but the economy. Is doing better than it has, and and the market, the markets
0: are certainly. Well, the markets are unarguably doing far better than expected, and they are. But it, but that's because
2: the market reflects a forward-looking vision about economic success, and so the market is predicting. The markets are up because they're predicting future economic success. It's a rent. It's a referendum on future earnings. When you strip it all away. And they're up and people are feeling good. So what's the message? What's the economic message? That's what that's how you bring home an election.
0: It's the economy stupid. Yeah. No message is a failing of the Democratic Party. We'll see if something comes together between now and November. And why? 2018. Why? Because, well, we're we're talking chicken and egg because there's no leadership because were there leadership, there would be a a message. We are recycling stale leaders and stale messages and stale ideas. And by the way, two, two things about all that. Uh, one, this problem that we're talking about wasn't caused by Hillary Clinton losing the election. Had she won, it would have been covered up with power, and it would have been rolled ahead. But the Democratic Party has been losing ground, losing its way for a couple of decades now. Look at governorships, look at state legislatures. thousand lost seats. A thousand lost seats, thousand lost seats yeah. in, in state legislatures mm-hmm. yep. in, in eight years. In eight years. So this, I got a lot of things to say about Hillary Clinton, but she didn't cause this problem. She just caused it to be impossible to hide anymore. We were just hiding it with with the presidency. Uh, the other thing I just want to say, I just want to come back, I'm like I'm going all the way back to something that Howard and I were saying both uh, about the system working there's one way in which perversely um, the system isn't working, one way in in which something perverse is occurring. Everyone, at least in my world, maybe not in Trump's space, that not being my world, Every although I went to high school with a lot of those guys, but <laughs> everyone in my world is... With Bob Corker when he says, General Matt and uh, General Kelly and Rex Tillerson stand between us and chaos, are keeping the country from chaos. I hope they are. I I fear that's true. I hope they are. Don't leave. But that's a regency. That's not a presidency. That is not what the Constitution anticipated either. That's what you had for centuries with mad kings or four-year-old kings and queens, and three guys would would run the country. So I, I, I just find a lot of perversity in, in where we are right
2: now. There is. I just don't, not to beat a dead horse, but I don't understand how we move the country forward if amidst everything we're talking about Vulnerable, the people that are part of the solution to the issues can articulate a vision.
0: Well, as the our party, my party, Blake's and mine, I'll let you and Caitlin speak for yourselves. The Democratic Party is as busted as the Republican Party. We, We not only do we have no message, not only do we have no leaders, that is true because we have no consensus. There is no longer a consensus, a center a common ground in the Democratic Party. It's drifted farther and farther to the left. And there's the same divide in the Democratic Party that you have in the Republican Party. It's just second. It's Section B news because we're not in power. But but that's why I go back to saying, "If you can step back and take a little longer view of things uh wow, these two parties have run their course. I think you're gonna see over time a realignment there There has never been in our lifetimes, maybe not in the history of in the modern history of the country it's you had this in the early history of the country." Never been a more opportune time for an actual third party to arise, yeah and to collect everybody who's been orphaned by their party, collect the orphan republicans, the orphan Democrats, and try to just walk a straight line down the middle of the road yeah. and and I would welcome that
2: I think we'll see a quote unquote independent. Third-party, whatever you want to call it, candidacy. Your friend Mark Cuban in twenty <laughs> in in twenty for twenty twenty. That's um, a Republican and a Democrat getting together and trying to do this differently. Well, it, uh, there's a lot between here and there. Yeah, yeah, right.
1: There there, there is, but but we are. I mean, it's sort of wild to say. I mean, we are in the fourth quarter. Come January, we are full steam towards the midterms. Um, Parties are active, but boy, that Senate map, Mark, is tough for the Democrats.
0: Senate map is brutal for the Democrats. There are 10 Democratic incumbents running in states that Trump won. However, um, there are... I I haven't... Done the count, but it's at least 10. There are at least 10 Republican incumbents whom Steve Bannon intends to take out in a primary. <laughs> so it's fraught on both sides. Yeah. Yeah. It's a jump ball in the House. It's a jump ball in the Senate. It's a god awful mess.
1: Um, with with that in mind, there's so, so much optimism <laughs> emanating on, on this call. I sense that everyone listening is probably thinking, it's exactly, exactly what I needed to feel better. We gave this oh, the yeah. system a shout. <laughs> The system is saving us all the system, We
0: give yeah. a shout-out to the system. I mean, you um, don't hear that.
1: Yeah, I, uh,
0: you
1: know, there is every day, you know, this. Be, Trump is a very active President, Twitter plays an perhaps even an outsized role in in our daily lives now. Um, Howard, as we you know sort of look ahead to the to the new year, what do you you sense anything changes in this administration? Do you sense that we begin um, whether it's whether it's uh, bipartisanship coming back to to the Senate or um something else that kind of unclogs the either the policy drain or just changes the dynamic in Washington a little bit.
2: I mean, I think there are we've we've already seen little signs of of that. The spending deal with Chuck and Nancy and mm-hmm. I think it's I think it is possible they're going to do something on on DACA. Mm-hmm. Um where Trump gets together with them again and there's no way a Republican only DACA bill is getting done. Right. And Mark, you and I have talked to about this. Right. On that side of the aisle, it's not it's not getting done. Um yeah. so but can something bipartisan happen? Yeah, is Trump going to have to back off of of the wall a little bit? Yeah, I think I think he just might. So there will be pockets of bipartisanship and the dynamic changing, um, but I think largely what we've seen remains intact. In mm-hmm. And I think the, the big um, there is really foreign policy. Right. Uh, what happens with North Korea? Um, Iran. Iran. Does he, in fact, mm-hmm. tear up the, the deal? um or walk away from the deal, decertify. It's these are these are sea changes. And obviously I mean who knows what something really bad can happen in North Korea and the checks and balances as I said earlier just aren't they aren't there in that realm. That's where the personnel thing is paramount because it is the it is Kelly and
0: Mattis yeah. And McMaster and the tremendous irony uh, as a constitutional matter of history of course is that the check and balance on a runaway military was the civilian commander in chief, right? And we've managed to stand that one. And civilian <laughs> and a civilian defense secretary and a right. civilian defense secretary And we've managed to turn that upside down here. Which, thank God. Thank God. (laughs) Right. Thank God. But, I I mean, that's scary. It's
1: scary. It'd be scary if Trump weren't president. But it's scary. Mark, you alluded to Senator Corker's comments, which he, you know, certainly he said proudly on the record. Um, There was no, no confusion about what his...
0: Um, You know, what his thoughts were, but awfully chilling. We are at, I believe, uh, an emperor's new clothes moment. Uh, Maybe it comes, maybe it doesn't. Everybody, as Senator Corker said and others have, in that Republican caucus in the Senate, not everybody. The great majority of that Republican caucus in the Senate agrees with everything Bob Corker said. Going to find out whether they'll stand up and say it before it's too late in public. Uh, I I think there may be, I think you said, pocket-towered of bipartisan success. Maybe DACA is a, is a likely one, if there is to be one. But there's no pivot here. We've been everybody's been waiting for Trump to pivot. He was going to pivot when he won the nomination. He was going to pivot when he got elected. He was going to pivot after the first six months were a disaster. He was going to pivot when General Kelly came. who He's now yelling at Kelly this morning, according to the reports in the halls of the White House. Uh, there's no pivot. There's no pivot. The question is when the Republicans in Congress are Going to stand up and say the emperor has no clothes. I don't know. Not back to that issue. Not politically tomorrow. with the base. Yeah. Um, not tomorrow.
1: Presents. A, a, I mean, and with Bannon's effort to, and he's not shying away from it. I mean, openly recruiting, recruiting candidates, and and happily yeah. talking about his effort to to unseat um, Republican incumbents. Um, and as we saw in Alabama. Um, that that active base is formidable in a primary yep. uh, which will be which will be interesting and then I guess of course the 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 other sort of elephant in the room is what the what Bob Muller does with and the, where the investigation right. leads and what what happens um, to the extent anything even happens in who the
0: knows? next six months it's who a, knows who knows although I'm going to do my damnedest to end on a a positive note, if not optimistic, but positive. The presence of a special counsel is another example of the system working. And he'll find what he finds. But the fact that the Trump Justice Department, the Sessions Justice Department, appointed a special counsel, who hasn't yet been fired? <laughs> uh, that's a good sign. Whatever
2: he finds. Well, I think it's he thought about sign. firing him, but the system pushed back.
0: Yeah. Right. Yeah.
1: Well, it'll be it'll be interesting. I think we're gonna we're gonna try and make these calls more consistent. Get back on the get back on the circuit. So I want to thank everybody who dialed in today. Um, thanks for listening, Mark Howard. As as always, thanks for the insight. Thanks, Blake. Um, they'll. It's a dynamic and ever-changing landscape, so when we're back together, I'm sure we'll be talking about a whole new array of issues, which is um, which is always, always fun for me, and I hope everyone's enjoyed the call. So thanks, everybody, for listening, and thanks again, Jess.
0: Thanks, Blake. Thanks. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. That does conclude the conference call for today. We thank you for your participation and ask that you please disconnect your line.